Welcome to Coach Life 2.0, the podcast that offers a behind-the-scenes look at life as a coach. Through the personal stories and first-hand accounts of experienced coaches, this podcast offers valuable tips and tricks for embracing your own coaching journey and learning how to lead yourself and others more authentically. This week's episode features Liz Keedy Norton. Liz is the associate head coach of the Boston University women's hockey program. She began her coaching career almost a decade ago at Andover High School. She then entered the Division I coaching ranks, with stints as an assistant coach at Union College and Harvard University before joining BU in 2017. Liz is also in her 13th year as the general manager and director of hockey training at the Institute of Performance and Fitness in Andover, Massachusetts. Liz is a former university teammate of mine who possesses an incredible work ethic and a strong passion for the game of hockey that has stayed consistent in her transition from playing to coaching. Here's our conversation. Okay, Liz, so thanks for joining me today. Yeah, of course. Happy to be here. Yeah, I'm, I'm looking forward to chatting with you. I mean, it's been a long time since uh, we last connected. I've seen you around the rink a little bit here and there uh, with scouting, but not since our playing days, really, have we had a chance to chat. So looking forward to all that's happened since then. Yeah. <laughs> um, you know, why don't we start with just the question around how you got involved in coaching in the first place and why you chose to get involved with coaching after your playing career? Yeah, so honestly, it happened sort of organically. Like once I was done at Princeton, I was still playing with the national team and still training and that sort of transition to like working in a gym and then coaching high school athletes. And for me, it was like all of a sudden, like I found my calling, like this is what I'm meant to do. Uh, like I loved it right away. And like as a as a senior coming out of Princeton, like <laughs> all of your like all of your peers are doing these amazing things. And to be honest, like investment banking or astrophysics like wasn't up my alley and so it uh it sort of worked out well that I was still playing and could sort of like ease into it part-time and then from there it just sort of took off like hockey had given me so much that it felt like it felt really good to give back for for once um and I've loved it since yeah and could you talk a little bit about that early transition because like you know I was fortunate enough to play with you for a couple of years and you were always so dedicated and focused and hardworking and you absolutely love the game of hockey, but often, right? Players, it's often players that do get involved in coaching and those first few years of transition can be challenging in some ways. Um, what was the experience like for you? Okay. So um, it was challenging. And I think in the sense that um, I like, I just didn't understand like how players weren't like 100% committed, like, why aren't they all in? Or like, yep. if, if a coach tells you to do something, why don't you just do it? Like, there's a conditioning test, like, you should want to crush that. Um, and so like the mindset of like that, you can have players that are, they are 100% in, but like when they're there, and then when they leave, they're 100% in or whatever else they do. And then like, so they're, they're giving you what they're going to give you. And I think there's a like there's a way to squeeze a little bit more out of that and like challenge them to achieve a bit more. But for me in the beginning, it was really frustrated because I like, I felt like we were always underachieving and like, it just rattled me because like, there's so much more. And I'm like, like you could be better. Like you could be on a national team. You could be this, but like, it, it's all for not if you're not all in. And so sort of like figuring out how to connect with those players and realizing that like not not many players are going to think like me and in fact like very few probably 
do. Like I was very good at, like in terms of at Princeton, like I tell recruits now, like there are three things you should look at when you're looking at a school and it's the academics, the athletics and your social life. And like, to be honest, I was just like, Hey, at Princeton, I can do two of these. So I will (laughs) hockey and I will try my best in the classroom. And then there's not a lot of time for other things. And I was good with that, but just wrapping my head around like that, that's not how everyone thinks. It's how very few people think. (laughs) Yeah, absolutely. Right. And I guess building on that a little bit, you obviously had a storied playing career. Is there anything that you've taken from your experience as a player that you apply now as a coach? So like maybe an experience you had that kind of stuck with you, uh, that kind of shapes how you interact with players now in the coach's position? I think I have two things. So like the one thing would be like, I always like as a player, I always wanted to be like the hardest worker in the room and know that. And and that's honestly like, that's how I got to where I got. So like, there was no element of like natural skill and like, she's got sick hands like that. That was not me, but like I could outwork people and that's what got me to where I was. And so I think in coaching, especially like when you're young and you don't know that many people, like you could be the first one in the rank and the last one out. And like, that's sort of how, how I've gotten to where I am in coaching. And then I think the other piece is um, playing for Jeff Cambersall at Princeton. Like he was so available and believed in me so much and was so willing to help. Like, I can't remember, like, I can't count the number of times, like he went out on the ice with me at like 6am and he believed in me more than I believed in myself at the time. And that that's how I try to coach players because it was so like, it changed my life and um, like I'll forever be grateful for that. Oh, that's awesome. Okay, so moving a couple of years forward, you know, how did becoming Liz the mom impact Liz the coach? Um, okay, so I mean, in a million ways, really, but um, I think it it has taught me a lot about like being present and like do the best at what you're what you're doing and like living in the moment a little bit more. It's also taught me to adapt and uh, like you go from like being an independent woman to like, you have to structure your day around like these children. And if the baby needs to eat, if this, that, and um, I think the biggest thing that I've learned from it is like how to ask for help. And like, people are always like, Oh, it takes a village, but like, it takes a village. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, like I am like a free range mom. Like I'm learning by the seat of my pants at all times. Um, and I, like, I'm really proud of the job I've done so far. And I think it has made me a better coach, but it's, um, it's definitely a big learning curve. And I feel grateful that I'm so supported by, like my husband, my extended family, like the coaching staff I work with now. So yeah, it's been different. Yeah. Isn't that funny? The adapt part is is pretty, pretty accurate, right? And it, it's crazy. Like you go from being accountable to yourself and now all of a sudden you have this person who is like entirely dependent on you for everything. And it's entirely ironically, you learn a lot about yourself when you're given that sort of responsibility. Oh, for sure. Like, and it, it teaches you patience and like, I've never loved some someone or something so deeply, but it like it, for me, it made me a lot more vulnerable and a lot more willing to ask for help. Yeah, absolutely. And then building on that, you know, tied to the idea that you are a mother, you're a spouse, you're a coach, you know, you're your own person. Um, the challenges of work-life balance, especially when you're coaching, right? It's typically a seven day a week job. Like you have practices, you have games on the weekends. Has there ever been any challenges for you when it comes to work-life balance? Oh, of course. I think I think in the beginning, like, 
you have this idea of like you're going to be the perfect mom and the perfect coach and the perfect and like that's how like you want to be a high achiever and do the best at each of those and um I think like I've adapted now to like, I give it what I can and I give the best version of myself as often as I can. But the reality is like, you can't do it all, but I've never, like, I don't think I've ever had balance in my, in my life. Um, I think something I'll always be like striving for. But um, for me, it's just been like when, when you're doing one thing, like do that and then move on to the next thing. And like, I'm so lucky because I enjoy like, I love coaching. I love my job. I love our team. And then I go home and like, I have a, a great husband who's so supportive. And like, I have these two awesome boys who are like my world when I'm there. So I feel like I've gotten away from like balance as opposed to like, like my life is so cool, just in a number of different environments. Yeah. Well, that's it. Right. And um, a couple of coaches I've had on like one used the term like seasonal imbalance right? So like in season, like your window or your commitment to like your sport and your coaching is going to be bigger. But then in the off season, you kind of create pockets to devote a little more time to your family. Yeah, for sure. um, And just work life flow as well. So like you said, right, like wherever you are, you're present. So you don't feel like you're sacrificing anything. You're doing things out of choice, like not out of sacrifice. And you just find a way to fit it all in the same puzzle. It's a totally different mentality once you're like, no, like this is this isn't a a sacrifice at all. Like this is like what an opportunity. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And the things that your, you know, your children learn from you watching you do something you're passionate about and be committed to something outside of the home as well. Like that's not Yeah, like I want them to know like that they have a badass working mom and be a great role model that way. Like I think one of the coolest things is like my son McIntyre I think he thinks more women play hockey than men. Like he's been to very few <laughs> games. <Yeah>. Like we're <laughs> the girls. Um, and I think it's awesome. Absolutely. And then like, what about the topic of self-care? So like finding time for yourself and your own development, um, you know, coaches, we put a lot of time and energy into the development of our players. And then as a mom as well, you know, time and energy into the development of our children. Have you been able to consistently kind of find a pocket for yourself when it comes to like physical, emotional, mental self-care? And how's that been for you? It's actually been awesome. Like what I've always done is like my workout is like my my time. And um, for me, like I, I work out at our gym and there's like a, it's, it's group workout. So it's like a community and I can feel like connected to other adults without like my children there. Um, yeah. And like, for me, that's sort of like my investment in myself. And so like through both pregnancies, like I worked out the entire time, like right up until I delivered. And um, then like, and at the time, like my goal was just like be as healthy as possible for my kids. And, and that still is, but um, that's sort of where I like take care of myself. I do it like three to five times a week and I don't think I'd ever change that. No. Well, that's been a consistent from your playing days too, right? Like I think that's just always been a core value for you. And it makes sense because, you know, the better you are for yourself from a physical standpoint, the better you are for everyone else. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And okay. So what about if you were to look at, let's say like your first year coaching, you started at Union, right? That was your first. Yeah. Yeah. So if you were to look at that year and kind of like your mindset and your philosophy and compare it to where you are now, like including everything that you've kind of gone through, including COVID, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, is there anything that has changed? Um, I think I take a more like now it's more process based as opposed to and like in the now as opposed to, hey, we need better culture, like this long term goal. And it's less focused on winning. Like, don't get me wrong. I want to win. And I'm just as competitive. But I realize now that it's like, 
I think like the difference between environment and culture is culture is like this long-term thing that like we talk about and it's like this big word and like the environment is like the everyday standards you have. And I think that makes a huge difference. And like in terms of my philosophy, like the reason why I coach now is to empower young women to believe that they're capable of more and to like in a, it sounds cheesy, but like in a really small way, change the world by like helping these women in these four years, like go off and be contributing citizens and be confident and know that they like have so much to offer. But um, I think if you like looked at me in my first year, I wanted to win and I just wanted to be better. And like, and to get there, like that all lines up with my philosophy now, but it's more of like a people over player approach now than like, it's less about the hockey, to be honest, like what I do is probably 10% hockey and 90% a lot of other stuff. (laughs) Yeah, isn't that true? Yeah. Well, and it's interesting, right? Because I think I think for a lot of coaches, when you start out, you feel like your value as a coach or your quality as a coach is is measured by how much you win, right? Like right. if you're going to be a good coach, you need to win and other people will gauge you by that. But when you've been doing it long enough and you've been able to see some players graduate from your program and go on to do things, then you realize it's really about like how you impact them as a person, like how you contribute to their development long-term and then the ripple effect that they'll have, right? It's kind of like, you know, you talk about Jeff and you don't know how many times he went on the ice with you at 6 a.m. and he believed in you and he empowered you. And now you're in this position where you're able to do that with a ton of other players. And and that's kind of what it's all about at the end of the day. Yeah, exactly. Like I like I hope that I can have like 50 percent of the impact he had on me. And I'm like, if I do that, like I'm doing OK. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. That's good. That's awesome. OK. And then would love to touch on the idea of covid right? How has been managing COVID and the challenges that it's presented as a coach? Like, how has that been for you? It has been really interesting. And like, we talk about adaptability, like our protocols here are like, obviously, like keeping the student athletes health uh, as the biggest priority, which has been great. And I think BU's done a really good job of that. But every day, like your schedule could change, like what the kids were planning on doing now doesn't happen. Oh, we're going to play so-and-so. Nope, we're going to play them now. Um, actually, we're not going to play at all. Actually, we're all going into quarantine for 14 days. Like, Gosh. well, like you're really rolling with it. And I think the biggest thing, and maybe like the silver lining of it has been like that mental health is now at like the forefront of people's thoughts. Like for, for college age students and student athletes in particular, like they're not built for for quarantine and like being isolated in a room like no. the people who are like connected by sport like they have this big group that's always supporting them and they feel connected to and I, I feel like it's at least allowed people to like start talking about like taking care of your overall mental health and well-being and um mm-hmm. that I think will be good moving forward but and it's, it's late for for a lot of um these conversations to happen but I think uh I think COVID has has really changed, like hopefully changed people's priorities a little bit too, to realize like, hey, we're in this for the people as opposed to like, if we play, we play. But the idea is like to continue to give them an education, to continue to help them develop and like navigate this really difficult time for them. Yeah. Well, it's really brought that into focus, right? Like you said, it's it's kind of that shift from like results and winning to focusing on the people. Well, this has kind of shifted the focus on sport because there's not like on the Canadian side, especially there's no competition like the season was canceled. So it really forces coaches to look at, okay, like how can I use this vehicle of sport to positively influence these kids and kind of help them through this challenging time? And I do think there will be a lot of positives that come from that. 
long term yeah, as well. For sure. We just got to get through a few more months. <laughs> I know. I know for sure. Well, and yeah, like how has it kind of shaped your or like impacted your day to day as a coach as well? Like so what are some of the challenges you're facing that maybe you wouldn't face in a normal season? Mm, honestly, like I'm only giggling now, but because like when we first went into quarantine in the, in the States here, um, like my oldest son was uh, like, I was pregnant. I was uh, potty training my oldest son and I have never been so grateful for early education and childcare in my whole life. Right. <laughs> um, Agreed. And yeah. I was just like, wow, like, like I always, like I, there was no part of me that ever wanted to be a stay at home mom, but like, we're good. Like I'm so convicted that that is not for me. <laughs> like that I need a, like I need a break from that. And um, so I, I think in the beginning, like the challenging part was the, like the unknown of like, like how long am I going to be doing this? do I actually have to be able to teach him the ABCs or will I be able to get him to a professional in time for that? <laughs> yeah. yeah, absolutely. It's crazy, right? Like yeah. same thing over here, but with quarantine and then RL, this is three. He'll turn yeah. four in June. So he's in daycare. Thank the Lord because schools are, are shut down down here as well. So everyone's doing homeschooling. Yeah. And yeah, like it, it really does. It kind of, if anything, it kind of reminds you how much you love your career and how much you want to continue to be a part of it and how it kind of keeps you balanced as a person. Right. Yeah. Yeah. It really reveals like what you're good at and what you're not good at. Yeah. yeah definitely. That's so funny. It helps you realize the things you take for granted as well. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Okay. So I think I might know the answer to this question, but um, who's had the greatest impact on your coaching career? maybe one or two people and, and kind of examples of maybe things that they did or, or words that they shared with you that have left a lasting mark? Um, so definitely Jeff, uh, for sure. He'd be my number one. And for me, like it, it was like getting to know Jeff was really interesting because I was like, to be honest, I was, I felt in the beginning, I felt so out of place at Princeton and like, I wouldn't have even looked there, but like in the recruiting process, I can just remember like, like he kept calling and then he like wanted to come for a home visit. And I was like, mom and dad, like this guy wants to come over. Like, so my mom's yeah. like, well, we can give him a burger. Like, yeah. <laughs> fine if he wants to come. And then like, I felt obligated to go tour. And then I ended up loving it there then. But just like, I felt supported in everything I did there because of him. And I felt like if I wanted to make a national team, like he was the one coach that was going to match my effort, match my time. And so like, that was like, like, I felt so bad when I got cut from the Olympic team, not like, not because of myself, but I felt like he had put so much time and effort in. And like, now that I'm older, I realize like, that's not why he was doing it. But yeah, just like, he was there for everything that I, I needed and just his confidence in me. Like it, it helped make me the person I am today. And then the second person that I would mention is, um, is Brian DeRocher. Like I work for him now and, um, like he's just a good human and, um, yeah. I remember uh, we were talking about a scholarship for, for some kid. And um, like I, I, at that time, it was like my first year dealing with scholarships and I was looking at it like from a business perspective. And so but this, this makes me sound awful and I've come around now, but he, like the player needed surgery, had a red shirt a year. You could let them just take the year off. Then they'd come back and play for you. You'd pay for four years of their education. But he, like he thought it was best for her and like what she wanted to do was stay on campus like train with the team, use athletic training services, all of that, which mm -hmm. it, it makes sense. 
but so he paid for it. And, um, and so I gave this kid five years of a scholarship, like for four years of playing, obviously. And so I was like, yeah. I'm like, why would you do that? <laughs> I'm like, what yeah. a terrible business decision. And he's like, yeah. well, why wouldn't I? I was like, no one does that. Like literally no one does that. And he's like, well, that's not a very good reason not to do it. He's like, it's the best thing for, for our player. And I'm like, oh my God, like as soon as the words came out of myself when I was like, why would you do that? And then I was like, why wouldn't you? And so like, I feel like he's trying to um, prove people wrong that like nice people don't finish last. And I think he's doing a good job of it. But I think like what I've learned from him is that like, it's all about the people and like the people matter. And um, like, he cares so much about the players. He's present. He lives 200 yards from campus. Like he's always around. And I think he's one of the hardest working head coaches in the, in the country for sure. And so I feel like it's just like a totally different perspective. But um, like I, I've learned a lot from him and hopefully I'm a better coach because of him. Yeah, that's awesome. Yeah. Very cool. Very cool. Okay. So what about your greatest coaching memory to date mm-hmm. and why? Honestly, it's, it's probably winning the Beanpot at BU. And like the reason why I would say is because I, like I know it meant so much to Coach G and like he had worked so hard for it. And um like, I think until you play or coach in the Beanpot, it's just sort of like these two games. But it's like such a big deal in Boston. And um, like BU had never BU had never won it like since like like the early 80s was last time that they won it as a club team. So like as a varsity program, they never had. And so he had been here, I think, 13 seasons at the time. And like you're always in that final game and like always losing. So like never getting over that hump. And just to like see the joy in his face and like, the people that were so fired up for him yeah. like I think like a lot of times like deserve doesn't have anything to do with it and in this case like deserve had everything to do with it like he deserved it and like I just yeah. I, like when like things work out the way like I think that they should <laughs> yeah <laughs> well and that's a sign that you're obviously creating a great culture because people are so happy about other people's success right, right and that's right. kind of what you're trying to breed and yeah. like you said right like the idea of giving a kid who's redshirting, you know, the money to continue to go to school. It's like, theoretically, yeah, like if you take it to a business person, they'd be like, well, that doesn't make sense. It's not a wise investment. But it's not only how it will benefit that person, but it's the message it's sending to all of the other players as well, right? In terms of the culture yeah. you're creating. And there's, there is a benefit, you know, to that investment. Oh, there's as well. a huge benefit. And like, now she's like, she graduated from BU with like her undergrad and her master's. And now she's in a doctorate program. And like she, like she's gonna change the world, and like, and wow. decision had a huge effect on that. Yeah, um, absolutely. Yeah, wow. But that's the perspective, right? I think that comes over time. Like the perspective of being able to look through like the big bay window and see everything versus like just yeah. looking through a tunnel and just seeing <laughs> I was like <laughs> that doesn't make sense. Yeah, yeah exactly. I'm like what? Yeah, <laughs> crazy. Yeah. Okay. So, what has coaching taught you? about yourself as a as a person so like even away from the rink Mm, um I would say like I I would say it's taught me that like sometimes I need to be more patient (laughs) um and like to buy into the process a little bit more so like whether it's like recruiting kids whether it's like developing your, your culture whether it's winning more games like getting more fit like all of it is about like what you do on a day to day, like how you represent yourself, like has this long term effect, but like it happens like in these like little, little increments that like, like you have to like be excited about and celebrate so that like, you know, you're on the right path. And like that positive reinforcement is good for anyone. 
But um, mm-hmm. I think it, it's taught me to like really look at how I like how I do everything I do and that sort of like the how you do it, it matters much more than like the result. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's kind of like the boiling pot of water, right? It's yeah. like every degree change. It's like if you're just looking at the pot of water and you just want it to boil and you're not going to be happy until it boils, you're just sitting there getting pissed off versus <laughs> right. like every degree of change, you don't see much change. But if you learn to celebrate each degree, like it makes the process of boiling the water a yeah, lot Yeah, like we're getting somewhere like you just don't know it yet. <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah, exactly. And it doesn't get there without those incremental changes, right? right so it's right. your relationship to those changes. It's but it's, it's harder for people, right? People are used yeah. to celebrating the big things, but it's the steps along the way that produce it ultimately. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So I want to wrap up with one more here. So if you could go back in time to your mm-hmm. first year of coaching, so sit across the desk from, from Kitty in her first year yeah. and tell yourself one thing, what would it be? Mm, I would have told me to like be way more confident, like put yourself out there more, like meet more people, ask more questions don't be afraid to pick up the phone and, and call someone and ask for advice. Like now yeah. I would, um, like I'm probably annoying and I ask too many questions, but like <laughs> I'll ask anyone anything, like I'll like shoot ideas off people. And I think um, the hockey world is so small, but it's like such a supportive group that there are like, there are so many good resources. And I think like COVID has actually probably taught us that like we're more connected than we really think. But um mm-hmm. I would definitely say like, hey, be more confident, like know that you're meant to be there and like go out and do it. That's the craziest thing is that like most coaches, the irony is the longer you coach, the more questions you ask, right? Like people at the beginning are like, I'm not going to ask anyone any questions because I don't want them to think (laughs) I don't know everything. And like, but then it's like, as you get going, you realize it is a big network and you know, the more vulnerable you are in a lot of ways and the more willing you are to learn, the more success you're going to have. For sure. And now you're like, they all knew I didn't know. <laughs> like, yeah. Now they yeah. knew that I didn't know and I wasn't seeking help. Like, yeah. <laughs> I know. Isn't yeah. it crazy? But yeah. it's, the irony is, I think every coach who's been around like looks at that person and can relate because yeah. it's just For like sure. this reaction that people have when they get involved. It's like, I have to. Yeah. It's nuts. <laughs> yeah okay awesome well thank you so much for this i really appreciate it good luck uh the rest of the way and hopefully we put this pandemic behind us soon and can get back to uh relative normalcy for sure good luck with homeschooling in the meantime oh good lord don't say that i know i'm really hoping it all wraps up because uh september september our youngest starts jk so let's pray that those school doors are open (laughs) by then or else I'm going to be getting a new profession. (laughs) Good to talk to you. Yeah, yeah, you too. Thanks. Ah.